You know that space in your office or study that's just loaded with creative projects? An easel with a half-finished painting, a song that's complete but not recorded, or a notebook of poetry just waiting to be shared. Welcome to Crowded Corner, a podcast where we unpack that nook, corner, or room jam-packed with creativity. I'm your host, Amberly Harsh, and I will be guiding you through each episode. Expect music, writing, and drama as I collaborate and collide with other creative hearts in my community to unpack our crowded study corners. This is episode 5, and I have a chapter reading called Serena in the Greenhouse. It's a part of a larger work called Unnamed Volume 2 by Jalene M. Stocklin. I'm so excited to share this incredible writer's work with you and have their voice spotlighted in this week's episode. Serena and the Greenhouse The town of Regis was only three square kilometers, but surrounded on all sides by two more kilometers of Edenic gardens and lush forests. A narrow path wandered through the impossible buffer of trees and bustling growth. It was the only clear break in the otherwise impenetrable throng of vegetation, and it wound between the trees before releasing to a tall, ornate gate to greet all who entered. Bare bones picked clean of all meat and sinew and feathers from a bird whose wingspan easily exceeded eight meters marked the entrance as a decadent heading. The gate indicated the outermost edge of Regis's boundary, welcoming yet warning. The surrounding forest gave of itself for the homes and fires for cooking and smithing tools. It replenished as instantaneously as crops germinated and yielded fruit. Isolation in the tundra was all that kept it from exceeding its population limits within only a few generations. Those who founded it kept it well. They learned a valuable lesson and one great secret of the universe. Magic had both value and cost in equal measure, and magic made known the unknowable and possible the impossible. But then, how to live without it if it were to run out? How to make it go further? How to stretch its power? How to eat, sleep, and breathe that power, become one with it? and how not to suffer its costs. The wings on display out front remain the only part of the great phoenix not picked clean for the flesh of a fallen titan and the powerful magic therein, aside from that impregnated into the ground itself. Regis's magic made their home, but Regis wasn't the only beastie made of magic, and some of those beasties still roamed the air, land, and sea. The brave and foolhardy of the town of Regis formed hunting parties to venture out beyond the garden and track down the titan's children, for they too had power. Theirs was unlike Regis's, weaker perhaps, however difficult the Nephilim were to slay. Another beautiful and terrible trait of humanity, to do an impossible thing and then curate one's life to depend on doing that impossible thing again and again. The residents of Regis were seldom troubled by the unlikely nature of their home. How and why hadn't truly mattered for generations. They all knew the stories. A fight between gods spanning continents and days finally culminated here, with an explosion that rang out for kilometers. Gods toiling on Earth, spilling magic in their tantrum. Or so the stories went. And stories rebuilt society after the fall. Stories were like currency, and the elders in Regis were rich and generous. A mossy cobbled pad, two guard towers, and thriving pockets of community gardens bubbled out around a central well in the heart of the courtyard past the front gate. The towers permitted passage into the inner rings of Regis. Land all around was only rock and shrub and ice. In closer, and the ground sloped downward, and the shrubs grew thicker, and the trees grouped closer until tundra became forest. 
So gently did the people of Regis carve out a space for themselves. Gardens and farmland flowed into yards and homes, all ringing around the market at its core. One path looped the market's perimeter, while the other halved the market in an easy wandering line. Past the gate and the wall and the watchtowers, through the first pass of garden and homes, heckles and barters were flung from all sides. Serena and Jackie and a fascinated and nervous Balfour came out the other side of Regis's central market. Separated from the bustle sat a cottage across from them. Hobbled onto the front stood a greenhouse, more like a stained-glass likeness of a greenhouse, panes slapped together with mud and vines like it grew out of the soil, as old as half the trees in the woods. The bell above the door tinkled so gently it might have been made of glass. They walked in on a conversation, or maybe an argument. Only one said each. If they're intact. That's just four tries. Four if I'm lucky. So you've gotta wait, cause you ain't for to hire been on aunt. The apothecary customer was indignant. Perhaps it was less an apothecary than a corner store. A local herbiary, maybe. Serena watched the exchange as she watched most things, by Jackie's side and with her head cocked 45 degrees. You wait, like the rest. The shopkeeper didn't make eye contact with the puffed-up man who still stood a full head and shoulders shorter than her in spite of his straining efforts. First, she watched her scarred hands on the worn wooden counter between her and the inflated little man. Then she watched Balfour touch every single stone, crystal, and shell fastened to strings and chains on a display rack. Serena expected the shopkeeper to smile at the old Mediterranean man's nervous smothering of the jangling jewelry before she remembered that they didn't know each other yet. How strange. Forty-five degrees deepened to thirty. "'Would you at least pretend to not be eavesdropping?' Jackie whispered at Serena's side. "'Ah, good note.' Serena shifted her weight to pop out one hip and glanced down at her open palm now propped up in front of her as if holding an invisible brick. Jackie had only to groan. "'What?' Serena asked her hand instead of listening to the man sputter out something about paying for better service than this. The change in stance was working already. Statistically speaking, humans in this pose are almost never paying attention to what's going on around them. The shopkeeper said something about a double dose, and the ire in the customer's eyes made Serena wish she'd heard it. Double dose? Why'd they pay for two faint even seen if a first one work, yeah? The shopkeeper's smile was as short and stunted as her sentences. Seconds for Riley. Less he knows. The customer opened his mouth wide before he seemed to recall the other three in the store behind him. Balfour tinkled some other display nervously, as if to confirm that they were all listening. The customer raked his top teeth over his bottom lip. He seemed to think better of whatever response required such a wide opening and just said, Fine, but I expect it for a new moon. Of course, the shopkeeper nodded and finally looked at the disgruntled man. Another fleeting smile and she added, Try not to scratch. Till then. The customer bristled silently, tapped his toe once as if to punctuate the conversation, and spun on the spot to angle his exit around the three newcomers in the storefront's tight quarters. The pleasantness of the overhead bell undermined the severity of his outrage. Evening, the shopkeeper said with a curt nod before the front door had even settled back into its frame. Her brevity could often come off as rude. It did to Jackie now, which Serena would have known regardless of the yoke between them. It took something special to make Jackie so uneasy so quickly. Serena liked this woman already. Or, again, it was so difficult to keep straight. Here to place an order? The shopkeeper prompted when no one spoke for far too long. To this, Jackie stepped forward. Serena stood back and watched. She loved seeing Jackie play the one-of-the-people game. Are you the local composer? The corners of the shopkeeper's mouth lifted briefly before she said, 
No. Regis has no composer. Just as Serena expected, Jackie was prepared to offend and leave empty-handed. A witch, then, she snapped flippantly. Whatever you want to call it. You make tinctures and tonics, no? To this, the shopkeeper nodded, but said nothing. Jackie's impatience quickly blossomed into frustration. I need one for sleep. Strongest one you got. All pleasantries out the window now. The shopkeeper whirled around to snatch a small glass vial full of clear liquid from the back shelves full of herbs and weigh scales and unlabeled preserved body parts. She plucked an eyedropper from a beaker next to the till and placed both items carefully onto the counter. Ten drops before bed, she instructed. Jackie was hesitant. Hmm, what is it? Home remedy, herbs, and a steady hand. Serena stepped forward tentatively. Do you have a smaller vial we could try, dear? The S sound whistled through the wide gap in her front teeth, and she couldn't help but glance at Jackie, hopeful for a snicker. But the tension was too thick for anyone but her to enjoy the foible. The shopkeeper shook her head and said, No. What do you want for it? Jackie's hand deep in her coat pocket clenched around the parcel she and Serena both knew possessed their only valuable left worth trading. The mere fact that they had reached this point, with Jackie nervously sweating through her clothing and pawing at the final remains of the beastie that gave this town its name, was clear enough that they were desperate. Serena felt that desperation deeply through their yoke. The shopkeeper pulled a well-worn handkerchief from the front pocket of her butcher's apron and held it to her mouth to cough before returning it to its home and answering, Not picky, long as I can eat it or trade it. Jackie was too quick to produce the item from her pocket. We heard you're good, worth traveling a long way for good, she said as the piece within the burlap wrappings thudded on the counter. The shopkeeper waited a beat before she peeled back the fraying cloth to reveal what Serena suspected was the most unique piece to ever cross that habitually cleaned counter. From knuckle to razor tip, the talon was almost as long as the woman's forearm. The bone knuckle was black with the sheen of charcoal, and the hooked claw glowed like fire opal. It was a swirled, marbled mess of dark, opaque orange and luminescent golds and yellows. Serena had seen the talon hundreds of times. Hell, she'd ripped it from Regis's corpse. She was more interested in the shopkeeper's face, and was rewarded with awe and greed for only a moment before the woman's composure returned. I'm no composer, the woman insisted. Not a hack. Boiling toads and shit, calling it medicine. I'm a scientist. She paused to cough into her handkerchief again, like all those words had taken her breath away. I know what this is. Guessing you do, too. So what are you here for? Her hands rested flat on either side of the talon like she dare not touch it yet. Behind them, Balfour fidgeted with another display, but no one looked. The man muttered an apology in Meditaire, but Jackie spoke over top. We're tracking something, she blurted, and the shopkeeper couldn't hide her interest. Something oceanic, she teased. But it's not safe to use the real ocean as a source, so we need to fake it. A smile, and then... You need to... fake the ocean. Jackie rattled around in her other coat pocket and spilled a shamble of debris onto the counter beside the open parcel and those two scarred hands. A chipped and jagged sand dollar, three mollusk halves, and a dusting of sand. They don't work like this. They're just husks, she confessed. The storefront fell silent for a long time, well insulated against the market outside, until the woman opposite Serena and Jackie asked, Do you have a place to stay? Jackie shook her head. You're our first stop. The shopkeeper nodded. I have a camp house. Round back. Oh, well, that sounds lovely. Thank you, dear. Serena cut through Jackie's stammering. It's getting late. The shopkeeper added with a nod and a glance down at the talon between her hands. And this, she cleared her throat. 
deserve some thought. Her hands swept together and the talon vanished to leave only the faded wooden countertop. You can stay here, till I'm sure I've earned it. Balfour pushed forward between Serena and Jackie. In heavily accented common, he said, You have a kitchen? Serena chuckled softly. The man's proclivity for food gave him extra keen eyes. She'd forgotten to look for the cook hut. But of course, Balfour knew all the signs of an oven he'd make excellent use of. Such a strange thing to provide so much delight. The shopkeeper nodded. Round the side, I'll show you. She tapped the counter once and spun on her heel. Balfour was eager to follow once the woman made her way around to the front side of the counter to lead back out of the shop door and into the fading evening light. Jackie and Serena stayed rooted, alone with the plants that Serena loved more than she loved most people. There lived in her, in a place not so well hidden as she may have liked, a reckless disregard for the preciousness of life that might have earned her the moniker of sociopath were anyone to know the true depth of it. Anyone besides Jackie, that is. And it's worth noting that the only reason Serena knew her views on life bordered on the psychotic was because Jackie told her so. What was most likely was that Jackie loved Serena despite all evidence to suggest that she might be happier or safer if she didn't. The flawed logic of love, constantly twisting in its give and take like a double helix of goodness and stupidity. Serena had loved before, though the world was much harder back then, and she hadn't known what to call it until it was over. Like most things Serena put her hands to, it had to die for something else to grow. That death earned her the name she carried today, so perhaps Serena was only one more death away from a new name. There was a kind of poetry to it, she supposed. Pragmatic, too. The use of all parts, all phases of a thing, to build and grow with purpose. Like compost. It was impractical to keep things from decaying and breaking down, so... Why not put it to good use? The flow of energies and all that. Serena smiled in a distant way, her fingers traced across the tiny white flowers of a clover-like bushel amidst an array of plants whose flowers spanned the spectrum of the rainbow and whose scents perfumed the air of the greenhouse in an intoxicating way. She says she's not a composer, Jackie trumpeted into Serena's wandering thoughts. I'll be back for you, darlings. Serena promised the small bushel before turning to face her partner. Not a congeer, Jackie muttered, and Serena's eyes came to focus on her hand clamming up around the glass vial she'd just purchased. But there's been a hundred vials like this, and none of them's worked. Serena nodded gravely. You think it's more mulch magic? It's all mulch magic. Jackie stuffed the vial into her bag and folded her arms. Or strong alcohol in the hopes I just get drunk and pass out. We can ask for something else, Serena offered, with a cheerful and difference she hoped conveyed confidence, or at least an absence of worry. Ask her to take your measure and tailor one to you. We've done that before and it never works. Jackie's voice shook and rose before she took a calming breath and sighed it out. You sure we should stay here? We can find somewhere else. Maybe there's an inn. Serena couldn't help but smile. No, I like it here. I have a good feeling about her. She countered and concluded, and I know you do too, love. No, they're different things, Jackie shook her head. Just because the prince led us to her doesn't mean I trust her. I'm not sure what trust has to do with it. Serena shrugged. She talks funny, Jackie confessed casually. Serena cocked her head. She talks funny. Says funny things, you know? Well, I haven't noticed such things, Serena dismissed, and edged her fingers delicately around a prickly-looking pink and green thistle-like flower. Of course you wouldn't. You don't know how people talk. I don't know how people talk. Is there an echo? No, you don't know. If our survival ever rested on you blending in, that's it. We're fucked. Serena harumphed. I think I blend in just fine, thank you. And maybe it's regional. 
Maybe everyone here speaks that way. I'll show you some food. The store owner proclaimed her return and startled both Serena and Jackie. Her voice didn't betray her nerves. In fact, all that did was a microscopic tremor in her hand moving from the doorframe to her apron pocket. Where's Balfour? Jackie asked in a haughty sort of demand. Auditing my kitchen? Still. That checked out, as Jackie would have said, were she not on the prowl for an offense to prove her misgivings right. Instead, she nodded and said, thanks curtly. Serena smiled. We appreciate the accommodations on such short notice. It's not much, but the camp house is warm and dry. It's plenty, dear, Serena assured gratefully. The shopkeeper nodded and turned her hazel-eyed gaze back to Jackie to say, let me know how the tincture works. With a nod to the vial she seemed to know waited at the top of Jackie's bag and the front of her mind. Serena observed the exchange closely, the subtle arc of the woman's left eyebrow. Amusement, maybe? Just let it play out. Serena did have a good feeling about this place. Instead, she turned to Jackie and offered the small, playful comfort. I'll keep first, second, third, before she severed the yoke between them for the night. Jackie finally smiled. Yeah, all right. She conceded and unfolded her arms. Through here. The store owner offered a polite nod toward the back where the camp house waited in the wintry dark with a warm fire lit inside. The strange garden walls that protected this town never let in much of the blustery subarctic all around, like a storm that raged regardless of the season, but it couldn't keep out all of the cold. It was strange to think that the last time Serena stood in almost this exact spot, it was little more than a crater. She remembered it so well. More astounding still was how quickly humanity birthed a city from what remained of the god who died there to make that crater, the god after whom the city was named. Jackie set out with their host. Serena watched them go as she thought once more of the crater, all nearby life scorched to oblivion. It looked better this way, with life thriving in all its wondrous flaws. Not all in her position would agree that it was better like this. Not even some humans would agree, but Serena liked it very much. You coming? The shopkeeper asked. The curtain over the doorway was drawn to the side now, but it still obscured most of her body from view when her reappearance startled Serena's gaze back into focus. Oh, no, thank you. If it's all right with you, I might wander amongst the plants a while. Serena cast a longing glance toward those small white flowers. The woman fought a smile and looked about the storefront in flittering glances. Of course, her voice finally rasped, and the smile broke through. She nodded once and pawed at the handkerchief slung half out of her grey apron pocket. Odd thing, that. A composer with a cough, like a tax collector with a debt. It only deepened Jackie's mistrust, which amused Serena. The woman brought the tattered cloth to her mouth and dabbed the corners before she turned and left again. Serena breathed in deep with the ease of being alone and at home. The plants seemed to exhale with her, the sweet little darlings. Don't tell Jackie, but... I'm glad to be alone. She confided in the vegetation in a whisper. The yoke makes me so tired these days, but I simply can't make her bear it alone. Her feet dragged along the dirt floor, but her trailing purple gown wiped away her prints and left a uniform stroke as she wandered between tables and shelves overflowing with life. So fresh, they didn't understand Serena's talk of grief and exhaustion, but they sighed and nodded because they cared. People seldom listened as well as plants, especially to things they didn't understand. Yet another reason to love plants more, she chuckled and shook her head. I know I'm hard on them, she admitted as she distractedly dug two fingers into the soil of a pot as she passed, testing moisture and density. 
One pot in the far corner caught her eye, and she moved toward it with purpose. Long, spindly, sheer-shaped leaves spilled over the side of the terracotta pot, some bursting out into tiny bushels of new life, others hanging at odd and unattractive angles. Some of the leaves looked dry and yellow, some held on to green and white. No matter the color on top, its roots were old. Serena was drawn to it. You know I mean no disrespect, she said it like a plea. You've been around long enough to know. The ugly, stringy thing assured her that it had three generations with one family before someone finally asked, Why do we still have this thing? It's mostly dead anyways. Or something along those lines. Serena tut-tutted and shook her head. Her fingers brushed along the blade of a long leaf. They're not all so bad. You're well cared for here. The ugly green mop agreed. You go long enough without flowering and people start assuming you're sick. And so what if you are? And so what if there's no saving you? In this, Serena felt more like those tiny velvety flowers. She felt young and naive, for she understood neither the preciousness of a fleeting life, nor the ire of being stripped of the choice to live it or not. Consequently, plants were better equipped to teach it, for part of what makes a good teacher is being a good listener first. She folded her legs and dropped to the floor before the spindly greens, like a pilgrim at the end of a journey. She sought a teacher, a master, and this garden had volunteered. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Crowded Corner. Thank you so much, Jeleen M. Stockland, for reading and sharing your beautiful writing with us. Fun fact, Jeleen also is responsible for the cover art of our show. Follow her on Instagram at the JMS Report. I'd like to also thank Catherine Barlow for her intro and outro music. Feel free to follow her on Instagram at KissSinKateBarlow. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to so much more with you all, and I can't wait to see where unpacking those crowded study corners take us.